You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a music tech PR firm. We also have the Music Tectonics Conference, which we launched in LA last year. We'll see what's happening this October. We've got a venue, everything's planned, but uh, I don't know, the world has its own ideas about what should happen. And we're doing lots of online events. In fact, I came across this next guest via one of our online events. We're doing weekly webs days, which are online panels and networking opportunities. And one of his colleagues came uh, to some of the events and we reconnected. Um, so I'd like to welcome to the show Darshan Kaler. He's the CEO of Tradable Bits based out of Vancouver, BC. How you doing, Darshan? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You know, we'd like to just jump right in. Um, you know, our, our listeners are a lot of different people involved in music technology, and uh, I think they'd like to hear what Tradable Bits is. So let's just start off with a, an overview. What, what do you got? Well, you know, Tradable Bits is a fan-based marketing platform uh, used by um, sports, music, and uh, entertainment business to understand the fans, their interactions, to personalize their overall experience, either in venue, online, uh, or potentially bringing product uh, for the fan base that they have in their region. Cool. All right. So that's a good top line overview. Uh, before we dig into what that means exactly, what gave you the idea to start Tradable Bits? Well, you know, my background is technology. Uh, so I was uh, director of Olympic services uh, during the uh, 2010 Winter Olympics here in Vancouver. Um, and the most interesting part that I saw uh, in 2010 was that social media um, just really democratize um, broadcasting. Everybody was a broadcaster. Everybody was an editor. Um, you know, we were competing with, you know, a mom, uh, you know, uh, posting something on Facebook uh, about, uh, you know, a time or, 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 or an experience that they've had. Uh, and so the competition became, you know, not only just from a broadcaster's perspective, but really leveraging uh, the entire technology uh, that, that everybody had on their hands um, you know, to, uh, to share their experiences. Uh, so at that moment, uh, I knew there was something very special about, um, you know, social media in, in general at that time and wanted to learn more about it. And so we started to roll out a suite of apps early on and uh, right after 2010. And by the uh, end of 2011, uh, we had, uh, you know, basically almost 24 and a half million monthly active users on the platform, uh, specifically tied to Facebook. And so what, gave me the biggest idea out of that was that one the way we connect online is so much more different especially i mean you know looking back that's 10 years ago um and two you know the way we are in different networks uh, has value so the way you are on facebook might be different than linkedin and certainly different than twitch if you're playing games um but you're still the same person uh and so for us you know, uh, we knew that there was something compelling about that. Uh, and then the music and the sports and the entertainment industry was really fan-centric already. So uh, building out what we call fan-based marketing was really the start in 2013. Gotcha. So you saw sort of this democratization of people reporting on their experiences via social media, and you saw there was a potential for how that could be leveraged for marketing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, content uh, in general uh, at that time was uh, predominantly public. You know, today's, you know, there's a lot more content that's private. 
However, you know, when you're taking a look at how we engage digitally, it really is a representation of our digital pro- footprint. So um, businesses at that time, you know, really didn't really quite understand the value of what social digital was. Um, and, uh, and we wanted to be the, the, the gap that, uh, uh, the, to, you know, to fill that gap and build that bridge between, you know, the, this particular technology uh, that was really flourishing with a whole bunch of different uh, um, new interactions that were happening. Um, and for the businesses to really focus on their core business, and then our technology becomes the, the middle ground to kind of bridge the gap to understand the fan base in each of these ecosystems. So we we tie in not only their enterprise data, not to get too technical, but you know there, there's a lot of data for a large enterprise uh, from purchasing behavior, ticketing behavior, and and all of this stuff. But certainly on the social side, it's more what we call graph. You know, you you're you're not a transaction. You, you, you are an entity that, that kind of has links and hooks uh, within your digital footprint. You have friends, you have things you follow, you have, you have listening behaviors, um, all of that stuff creates a huge value of your footprint. So uh, before we dive in a little deeper on that, what, you, you, because you worked for the Olympics, it sounds like you came at this from a sports uh, perspective and then moved into music. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, if you if you go to any Olympic event, uh, you know, music and uh, sports really go hand in hand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, festivities at the end, uh, there's always music involved. Um, you know, uh, depending on uh, which athlete you're dealing with, you know, they they are inspired by music. So so the the combination between the two was just natural. Uh, whether mm-hmm. we were setting up a stage, uh, broadcasting, you know live uh, uh, games or, you know, races or whatever that may be, um, it always followed, um, you know, a medium of storytelling um, that include music and, um, and the medium specifically tied to, uh, um, uh, to uh, broadcasting. Right, right. So let's talk about each of the offerings from the company. Let's start with how you help, say, festivals and promoters find fans. Well, so, you know, uh, when we started working on uh, the music side, on the promotion side, what we realized were, you know, a lot of people were quite interested in connecting with the brand. So whether you, you know, you're interested in uh, a regional festival, or maybe you're in, you know, in Chicago, you got Lollapalooza, if in Austin, you got ACL, and, you know, if you're in New York, you got GovBall. Uh, and, and if you wanted to do a destination, you might be, you know, um, going to Bonnaroo, you know, for a camping trip. Um, there was, there was a lot of different types of festivals. Um, but what's the most compelling and most important part out of that was the fan experience. So, you know, you go to a festival with a group of friends to experience something unique. Um, and so we, we based our technology specifically from that. So everything from understanding the fans that they interact onto a website, the mobile, um, experience um, and certainly down to the marketing initiative. So, um, so from a technology perspective, tied to the promoters. In this case, you know anybody who's who's dealing with um, any event that they're promoting, um, they really had to understand better the fans, the segmentation, the personalization. They can kind of do um, everything from automation on email segmentation, so that you know if you're interested in you know, uh, a certain type of uh, artist, 
um, you know, maybe that's focused on on the communication on that side. Um, if we're trying to find people are more likely to go and and you know go to a Bonnaroo a festival, uh, we might be looking at multiple regions, uh, you know, throughout the U.S. Uh, in a certain demographic that shows interest in a given genre of music. Um, but all of that stuff is is broad. But in the in reality, our system takes every interaction that comes in. Uh, to the brand uh, and starts creating that holistic view of a single fan view. So, you know, you can start to understand all their connections, their interests, the listening behavior, their interactions. Um, and in the end, that is private data from a, uh, from, from the promoter side. Uh, and so they, they use it, you know, in a very, very um, strategic way so that they're not mass broadcasting all kinds of different things. So the old days of marketing, you know, large funnel, bring it down, find the leads. This is very much the opposite. You start from the people you know, and then make sure you curate and create that personal connection for each one uh, at scale. So it sounds almost like a, a hub spot for, for live events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, HubSpot's done a tremendously good job specifically for um, creating um, a CRM for transactions, um, except on our side, we kind of took it the next step further. Uh, for us, when you're dealing with the music side, it's not about how many tickets you bought or you know where you you know what event you went to last. It's it's about your interactions with the brand. So it could be interactions directly to an artist, interactions directly with a a property owner, whether it be like Lollapalooza or ACL, um, or it could be a venue that you, you have a affinity with. Um, all of that um, is a bit different uh, when you're dealing in a, in a CRM world. So uh, rather than thinking of them as simple tags, if you, you, know, if you can look at it that way, this is more uh, organic. So it's adapting because you might be you know, you might be interested in certain types of music uh, in you know, a given week and it might change a month from now. Um, so it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you don't like that, uh, previous music anymore, but it certainly you have a, a preference for, uh, you know, for, for something that's might've come up that's recent to you. And so you want to make sure that you have a way of connecting with people as they adapt their, um, you know, their emotions really, um, as they interact in, in the music industry. So you, you basically are saying that, that in the case of say festivals or promoters venues, uh, that you're, you're helping them ingest their existing data and parse it and, and gather insights. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, all the data that we're talking about here is, is what we call, you know, in, in, in the world, first party data, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's not being scraped and, you know, taken from multiple different pieces or resold. This is every interaction that happens. So if you go to a particular website or download a mobile app, um, or, you know, enter a contest or create your own personalized playlist for, you know, for a given festival. You know, it, it's, it's, it's about understanding those interactions and then having a feedback to the fans so that they get value by connecting. One, you know, they can be notified of uh, upcoming shows all the way down to recommendation of things that they might, might want to see or add to their schedule if they're going to a given festival. So all of that is a, is a give and take, right? So, you know, the fact that you are able to automate some of those uh, experiences for the fan, um, 
and allow them to connect with each other in a in a simple way um is uh is a game changer for you know for improving the fan experience so so you're actually not you're not ingesting any social media or any people aren't logging in with Spotify or Apple Music to to create this data. It's literally from interactions with the online and app properties of the of the promoter of festival. Well, they they would have their own uh, identity in each one, so we do c- uh, allow them to connect via those networks. So let's say, for example. Um, you know, uh, if you were going to a given festival uh, and Tradable Bits was being used in the platform, you would have an opportunity to create your lineup, um, have people connect via their Spotify login, for example. Uh, and we can then look at your listening behavior uh, and provide a, you know, surfacing the best artists for you to go and take a look at, including recommending additional artists that you've never seen before. Um so that in itself has that, you know, give and take type of scenario where you, you know, to improve that overall scheduling or surfacing of different artists and listening piece, um, we have to have that connection to happen on a Spotify basis uh, for that one particular fan engagement piece. But you're not, but you're not doing Facebook and Instagram uh, or, or any other kind of social media logins or ingestion? We we have uh, when we take a look at those we call those social logins. Um, so we connect and we're technology partners with Facebook. We're technology partner with Spotify. We're technology partners, you know, with Twitter. Um, you know, if you want to connect Twitch or LinkedIn, it depends on what you're trying to do and to improve that experience. It's not about just connecting mm-hmm. with Facebook just because you want to connect with Facebook. But it might be connecting with Facebook to understand friends and relations that are going to be coming to you know, to a given show uh, so that you guys can plan better, right? So, so things like that, it's about adding value, not necessarily just connecting a network. Um, so it's important to kind of, you know, curate your engagements uh, that provides value to the overall fan experience. Uh, and, and at that point, it might require some connections via Facebook and some Spotify and so on. But the beauty is when we're taking a look at all of that, um, we call that affinity data in our platform. Um, it starts to create this holistic view of your interest and interactions. Uh, that is 100% owned by the property. So from that perspective, it's not resold. It's not done any of those things. It's really to improve the experience for that particular property owner. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what other types of specific insights that a pro- promoter might get about their fan and then what they do with those insights? Well, you know, in, in today's world, you know, data is king, right? Um, so imagine, um, you know, if you are looking at uh, a festival that you've just launched, um, you've given a list of lineup of artists that you brought in, uh, ex- you know, excellently curated. Um, but as fans do connect uh, onto uh, you know the overall platform, we start to understand which artist actually is shining the most. Uh, you know, you might have a headliner that's the the biggest thing, but all of a sudden there's somebody else that pop up. Uh, case in point, um, ACL, Lizzo. Uh, you know, Lizzo was booked you know a couple of years in advance. She had a side stage. I was literally there during her, pres- her her performance, and it was crazy. I, I think there was probably 70 to 80% of everybody at ACL in that corner of, uh, of the venue. 
Um, it's not necessary that you can kind of predict a lot of these things when you when you plan it, but with data, you have a much better chance of doing it. So from from that perspective, our uh, ability to even surface additional upcoming artists becomes uh, uh, pretty important for the promoter um, and potentially identifying who they want to bring back, um, you know, uh, or those that, you know, that really were just starting to generate a lot of interest within the fan base, but, you know, they never had the, the, the overall life cycle that they could have had. Um, and so they might bring it back on, you know, the following year. Okay, gotcha. So what else does Tradable Bits do to help promoters improve marketing? Are there any other kind of features or, or use cases that uh, you want to make sure to mention? Yeah, so, you know, when we're dealing with this thing, um, you know, it's about the fan journey, right? So um, when you're dealing with festivals, most of the time, uh, and a lot of people may not know this, in general, you know, you might get 20 or 30% of people come back on a given festival. Some festivals much higher. Uh, but in, in, in general, it's, it's about that, which basically means you got 70 or 80 percent new people you have to find. That's really challenging. Uh, if you're not dealing with data and you're managing it in a particular way, you are literally starting fresh every year. Um, so from our perspective, our platform kind of takes a look at uh, leveraging, you know, friend connections, exp uh, experiences that they may have had finding people that are more relevant uh, and automating that. So when you're dealing with social and marketing, let's say in advertising in today's world, it's not about running a, a segment audience uh, that you ran a report on today um, that was, you know, historically, you know, going back a week or two weeks. It's about what happens right now. So from our perspective, we're integrated directly with, you know, audience creations inside Facebook, uh, Google, Snapchat, uh, Spotify, um, you name it, all the different networks that uh, are best utilized. Uh, as soon as someone buys a ticket, uh, we remove them from the advertising model. Uh, we find more people like them. Um, so the system, the machine learning takes in control uh, to improve the overall uh, strategy for the advertising uh, to the point where our, uh, in general, uh, overall, you know, if, if you put a dollar into the platform for advertising, we're getting about $47 back. So that's 47 times, uh, 47 um, return on ad spend, which is mm -hmm. huge. Uh, you know, industry average is way, way less than that. So um, uh, what it does do is that it provides you an opportunity to maximize your, your overall ad strategy, your spend, and you're also not pissing off people. Right. I see this a lot, you know, where mm -hmm. ads show up and someone's going, why are you, you know, this is not relevant to me. Why are you showing me ads to piss me off? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's the worst part. I, I see it time and time again. So the important part is just making sure that these things are automated. Um, they're, they're less uh, intrusive. Um, and in fact, if it's done right, it shouldn't, it wouldn't even look like an ad. People will be mentioning it, you know, tagging it commenting on it and it's it's more organic and when that happens that way then then you truly get a far far more uh bigger value of the overall brand and experience the fans are having with regards to your you know your event got it so uh given all these uh, different kind of optimizations you have around uh, finding fa fans segmenting them 
uh, deepening insights, uh, re retargeting or, or targeting as appropriate. Uh, what type of traction have you gotten in terms of your, your client base? You know, as a company, we've, um, uh, one of the things that unusual for us is that we've never raised any money. We're self-funded. Um, you know, this is, this is unusual in a technology world because everybody, you know, always raise money and that's how they build the product. For us, we focused on, um, you know, building it in a gradual state uh, and working our way up. Today, our traction, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, we have the largest promoters in North America from, you know, from Live Nation, C3 Present, Superfly, AC Entertainment, Country Nation, uh, you know, you name it, uh, they're, they're on our platform. They're all currently using you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all cool. Those, all of those guys. So, you know, if you go to uh, uh, Lollapalooza or, you know, like I mentioned, uh, you know, Bonnaroo, Gutball, um, you know, or even, you know, some of the events uh, that are, uh, you know, in, in Mexico, you know, Corona Fest or whatever, all of these things are leveraging our platform to improve the fan experience. Now, the beauty is, is that we've also done uh, sports. So on the sports side, you know, we have NBA teams uh, from, you know, the Raptors to Trailblazers, Mavericks, NFL, um, NHL, and, you know, we expanded into Australia. We have uh, the AFL, which is the Australia Football League. Um, and, you know, as we expand down in Australia, we got Secret Sound and, and obviously all of those uh, promoters down there as well as we expand out. Um, so it's been amazing, amazing traction. Uh, in Mexico, you know, Sessa, uh, and so on. So it, it, we're kind of this, um, the challenge when we're dealing with music and when you're, when you're selling a product like ours, um, it is a very competitive market. Um, and, and it's not about us. So for us, it's about, in, in, you know, empowering our partners in this case. And so our branding never shows up. Uh, but if you talk to any of these companies, uh, we're kind of like the hidden secret, hidden gem that's in the background that's helping this machine work pretty pretty smoothly. Got it. Uh, would you be up for sharing a, a bit of a case study from one of your real-life music-related clients? Maybe pick one and tell us a little bit about kind of how they've used tradable bits and and I don't know how much you could say, but it'd be interesting to hear a little bit, a little more specificity about how this kind of rolls out, how it's implemented, what kind of insights come out, how it changes uh, the behavior of a promoter and, and leads to results. Sure. Um, one, you know, I'll... You know, there's too many to highlight. I mean, all joking aside, there's there's a lot of articles that we've kind of put in our blog for case studies, um, and you know, by going on Tradable Bits uh, blog site, look at case studies. There's there's many there. Um, in in the most part, you know, when we're taking a look at these strategies, there, there's really three major categories. So I'm not going to talk about which which one because they're pretty well. You know, when you're dealing with festivals, they're pretty well similar, right? Uh, you know, first strategy is is really you know win back. You know, how do how do you get into a scenario where you you know you make sure you can leverage uh, people to buy early, right? You know, so when you're taking a look at that stuff, there's a huge strategy to make sure that people buy uh, tickets uh, early on. Uh, you know, bottom line in the industry, you know, tickets sell tickets actually, right? The more people buy tickets, there is more an opportunity of a lift to buying more tickets um, to increase the you know to to get to the point where you have sellout. Um, you know, I, I can think of one uh, festival that uh, started early a couple of years ago um, that, um, you know, on their first year, you know, they used the platform, engaged the fans to fully understand it. The second year, they sold out six months before the event. 
Um, and so when you do that in a, in, in, in a, in a strategic way, uh, you have the, the best opportunity of, of selling out tickets as soon as possible. The second thing is, um, you know, is finding new people, uh, finding new people and sponsorship. So when we're dealing with these things, um, a lot of the festivals, uh, you know, they have multiple different ways to make money. Uh, certainly sponsorship is one of them. Uh, and so having a platform that allows you to kind of roll out some engagements um, where sponsorship activations happen, uh, whether it be giveaways or, you know, connections for, within the fans to kind of surprise and delight, uh, it makes it so much easier to do. And so several of our um, all festivals are going through these things as part of their overall ecosystem uh, for each of the phases that they deal with. And then the last bit is, um, you know, is really getting to the point where you're trying to leverage on the artist side. Um, you know, the real reason why people go to festivals is really because they want to see the artist, right? Um, and so um, there's ways to kind of give back to the artist depending on, you know, which festival you're dealing with so that uh, they increase their overall fan base. So, you know, in some cases, you know, we've seen and tracked um, an artist um, that probably were not getting as much stream in a, in a particular region. Uh, and then, you know, prior to and during the event and after the event, see a, you know, a dramatic increase in consumption of their music uh, within the region. Uh, and so there's ways to strategize through that with the promoter um, uh, to maximize the opportunity for the artist to leverage the, um, you know, the given festival they're going to be going to. Got it. That brings me to a question. Do, do these tools work for record labels? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when we first rolled this thing out, uh, it was really to centralize the database to understand affinity, right? Um, and I have to, I have to say, like, you know, in the last two years, I've seen the labels uh, do a lot more. Uh, with data uh, but five years ago i mean we've been around for 10 years um early on you know the the record labels were really they're just selling music um their whole ecosystems dramatically changed to you know full 360 right so um so they, they are far more interested in eventually owning their data and so uh, we have some uh, labels that are uh, eventually coming on board um, there's a huge learning opportunity for a lot of the labels as well, right? Um, and, and understanding what, what data can do for them in their business. Uh, but definitely from our perspective, they're quite interested in the, the fact that they can centralize all their data in one location. Um, you know, they can take a look at what fans are potentially, uh, you know, prefer to listen to, um, you know, rather than, you know, taking a look at Facebook likes, which, you know, when was the last time you liked something on Facebook uh, on a page? So, so really, you know, uh, that, that really opens up a whole bunch of different conversations. Um, you know, and also the other thing that the fact that we do so much in automation and advertising and hyper-targeting in automation for that, I mean, imagine the amount of dollars they spend for, you know, to track streams on advertising. Right. So, you know, is there a conversion metric that's available for that? And so some some of the labels that we're starting to have those to conversation with uh, is quite interested in, in looking at uh, maximizing their ads. Uh, and bottom line, you know, the, the data from a global perspective, you know, the labels are kind of broken down into different regions and they kind of work on their own regions. Um, the world is flat, especially when you're in the streaming world. Right. Um, mm -hmm. 
and uh, and they have to look at it that way. So they you know rather than looking at things regional, you know our approach is to surface you know these five star fans internationally, so that they can introduce them to you know similar artists within the label roster, um, and um, and it shouldn't matter that the person is in Australia compared to somebody in Vancouver, right? Um, the the fact is the the free flowing portion of how we communicate online is very very different. Um, and, uh, and so the holistic approach of that has to be different. And, and the old metrics of, of labels, unfortunately, were very, very regionalized. Um, and so we're trying to reshape that, that train of thought, um, just like what we did on the promoter, promoter and side on the music business and, and certainly, you know, engaging in sports, there, there's new ways to do things. Um, and as some of the old ways erode, um, you know, bricks and mortars disappear, you, you really have no other choice but to really evaluate, you know, a new way of doing things. Uh, there's a new paradigm. Uh, and so getting to the point where you can fully understand that new paradigm can allow you to start moving to the next stages. Gotcha. You know, let's let's bring this up to speed with where we are t- temporally. We're we're a month, six weeks into springtime now. Uh, I'm curious what you're noticing and what you've been up to since the COVID nineteen related shutdowns have impacted certainly the live industry, if not the well, certainly the the entire music industry. What how how is that how is that influencing what you're working on these days? Um, especially with so many live events that are either canceled, delayed, or kind of just uh, still pending on when they're going to get rescheduled? Yeah, no, great question. Um, now who isn't impacted by COVID-19? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it, 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 we're all impacted. Um, this industry, sports music industry is fast paced, right? It's, it's so much rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat um, that, you know, you, you don't really have a, a, any time to um, reevaluate, restructure. Uh, but COVID-19 has just literally done that. Now the engine has stopped. You know, we're able to work with our customers and partners to evaluate improving operations. Um, it's a huge metric change, um, which, which in, in, real, in, in reality, it's a silver lining, right? Because, um, yeah, sales are not happening, you know awareness and all that other stuff there's a lot of things that have just kind of you know put a put on hold uh or postponed in some actions um but this gives us an opportunity to really hone in and evaluate you know where things were were kind of uh you know we didn't have enough time for this we didn't have enough time for that and then you know now we do have plenty of time uh and so we're working with you know automations um to improve so once the engine does kick in again you know and wherever it kicks in six months from now or maybe a year um they've already prepared for a lot of these things so that you know it's really it's an easy start so so uh, you're saying you're leaning into development is that what you're saying well development yeah i mean today we got a platform that um is very um integrated within the enterprise right so uh when we deal with um you know, a lot of uh, when I call rinse, repeat is just, hey, this is the way I normally do it. This is how I turn up a tent and this is how I turn it down. Um, well, you know, why have you been doing that? Well, because this is the easiest thing for me and we use the same tool all the time. Um, today's world, well, that's not necessarily true anymore. There's other tools to use. Um, and so it gives them an opportunity to reevaluate uh, and improve, um, you know, their overall operations that way. The other thing, too, is that 
you know, COVID-19 has, uh, you know, uh, has really transitioned, um, you know, uh, doing more live streams and activations, right? You know, mm -hmm. there are more people at home consuming content than ever before. Also, fans, including artists, athletes, and brands are facing the same obstacle, right? You know, our tech allows them to engage their fans in the digital world. So, you know, you know, we're doing more group knowledge exchanges. The, the other thing, too, I find uh, everybody wants to come together, and it, you know, uh, to see what best, best practices are in the industry. You know, before we had months to plan, right? But today we have hours or days. Like I feel like you know Jean Luc Picard have, you know, uh, every day going status report. You know, like we're trying to figure out what's going on, <laughs> um, and we can adapt very very quickly. And we have to shift and change dramatically. So you know, so, so certainly today COVID nineteen, what what it's done is is really forced us to um, get to where we were probably going to take you know an extra year or two years to get to our ability to consume content and how we interact online. I mean, who would have thought Zoom was going to be a conversation piece, um, you know, doing hangouts and so on, where that's a common language for somebody who's even 60 years old. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, that might have taken five years to get to, and here we are, you know, it's, it's the reality. Um, you know, we've got friends that are doing, you know, online karaoke, right? Um, you've got, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, take a look at the, the, the different channels that are being leveraged. Um, you know, for, for example, you know, you got Twitch live streaming at home concerts, uh, you know, like, uh, whether it's being done by bands in town, linking you to when these shows are happening, uh, or, you know, Fortnite, you know, concert like Travis Scott just recently did, you know, uh, Really, you know, we might not see live events for the next eight to, uh, eight to 12 months. Uh, then, you know, some of the work we're doing on live fan engagement would be a game, you know, really game changer to connect fans in unique ways, you know, from, from donation, merch sales, relevant sponsorship. All of these things are still valid and they can transition online. We know that. But I'm also quite excited in that I think you know, live events or concerts or getting access to this content, I think will become far more uh, ubiquitous once we do have an opportunity to come, come back and gather again. So some of the strategies that we're rolling out now, I think, are long lasting. I think they will last and they will continue even when COVID-19 passes. I think you're right. I think I think habits and rituals are changing as a result. And once those habits are formed, it's not like they're going to disappear just because people can now go out of their house or go to a show. Um, so I think it's super interesting. We've been uh, focusing a lot on the podcast about live streaming, remote collaboration, you know, music making at home, all, all these kinds of things that all of a sudden are placed in the spotlight because of other limitations. Are, are some of your clients actually using tradable bits around live streaming? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, th there's a few, unfortunately, like I said, uh, you know, pre-show, I, I can't talk about, uh, but we could do a follow-up uh, mm -hmm. once once they do release. Right, uh, yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's soon, it's soon. Like I said, it's okay. before it was months and now it's days and hours. So, um, but absolutely, you know, uh, there's a lot of cool ways to engage fans. Uh, fans want to connect, man. They they really do. They they want to get to know these. It, the the most interesting part about what COVID nineteen has done 
is brought the fans to the home. Mm-hmm. I mean, like who who would have thought that you can watch somebody like Nora Jones <laughs> sing right off of her piano in her you know in her living room, right? Like nice. that's what is that? Like you would never would have thought that a year ago. Um, so you know, so I think there's there's some real real opportunities that uh, uh, that have reshaped our minds. Um, and, and so our technology, as we go on through that, we're finding ways to engage fans in a real time basis rather than comments. Right. Um, I find, you know, people will stream content in different things. Some people might want to prefer to watch on Instagram, YouTube, or Twitch, uh, you know, their streaming of choice, but bottom line, I think the artist or the brand needs to bring it back home and find ways to kind of engage both somebody watching TV, even if I'm live streaming a YouTube clip on TV, why can't I engage uh, via my mobile phone at the same time looking at that content? Because we live in the world of today now. And so some of the tools we're rolling out is just that. It's, it's going to be pretty fun, um, you know, getting people connected that way. Cool. Since you're looking at this this kind of music tech space quite a bit, being in it and have kind of an interesting perspective coming from sports and live concerts, as well as being aware of the record labels, um, are there other trends that you're keeping an eye on in, in music in the music tech space these days? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, first of all, you know, there there are certain companies that are continuously innovating and adapting changes, right? So. Uh, I love Spotify. Um, I consume Spotify. Uh, you know, I use it every day. Um, you know, yes, they are a technology partner. We work with them closely. Um, but you know, they they're one of those giants that is still being run like a startup. Uh, so I love it, right? So there's there's huge opportunities in uh, in in what they're doing uh, to help the the industry, the artists, and so on. Um, you know, bands in town. I mean, these guys. You know, they what they pivoted and uh, changed so quickly from tickets uh, where the shows are to where live streaming were. Right. Uh, I think I heard a podcast you guys did. Uh, yep. with Fabrice, uh, you know, like that stuff is awesome. Right. Because, like, uh, you know, you have to adapt quickly because, um, you know, you know, we, we, we build a platform to help the industry um, and so that they don't have to build it themselves. Right. Um, and so, you know, companies like these are constantly doing that. There's another company uh, based out of New York. Um, it's an AI bot, uh, Satisfy. Um, you know, those guys, a uh, small group, but, uh, you know, they've done a tremendous amount of t- stuff uh, in the sporting side. Um, and I think they've done some stuff also with COVID-19 and helping people uh, uh, better understand. Uh, what, what did you say the name of that company is? Satisfy. Satisfy. Yeah. With, an, yeah. with an I? With an I. At the end? Yeah, okay. S-A-T-I-S-F-I. You know, community has done a good job, you know, in the SMS texting world. You know, the very excellent spin on the current technology stack. Chart metrics, I mean, you know, they've found a way to boil the ocean of data that's tied to music. Um, uh, link fire. I mean, I, I met, uh, the CEO, um, in New York, uh, we had a great chat. Um, you know, they, you know, they're obviously trying to, tr- trying to make it easier for, for artists to get out there as well. And, uh, and so on. So th- these are some of the companies that I find, uh, in the music or certainly in some cases, uh, sports side that, um, uh, have adapted and communicated a, a way to adapt, uh, their, uh, their strategies and their technologies for the, the industry they're supporting. 
Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you want to throw out there? What's next for Tradable Bits or, or ways you hope that our listeners might connect with you um, yeah. as we wrap up the episode? Absolutely. You know, first of all, uh, one of the things that um, I feel like I'm doing a lot is education, right? You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I am trying to teach people that there's a new way of doing things and there's huge opportunities and benefits. Um, and so coming on to, uh, you know, a podcast like this, uh, is, is definitely, um, uh, fantastic. And we try to generate more articles to kind of get, uh, people to understand, you know, there, there's ways to leverage in, in, especially in today's world, um, data. Um, you know, we are, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, we expanded, we launched out in Australia, um, just literally in, in February, just before everything just went kaput. Hmm. Um, uh, we were expand, you know, looking to expand into Europe. Um, you know, so we kind of put that on, on, you know, postponement for now, uh, pause it until 2021. Um, and same thing in Mexico. So we're expanding internationally. And so, um, if you find that you're in the, any of those regions and I'm very interested in, um, learning more about how you can improve your, your business, uh, or if you're an artist or a label, um, looking to really leverage, um, you know, the networks that I talked about, uh, in a much more effective way then yeah, please do reach out. And, uh, it's, it's really just to learn more about doing things differently, I think is, is the most effective thing. It's not even a sales thing. I just want people to know there's, there's ways to live and survive in this, uh, pandemic. Awesome. Well, Darshan, it's been so great talking to you. I appreciate you coming on to the the podcast. That's Darshan Kaler with Tradable Bits. uh, And that's tradablebits.com, T-R-A-D-A-B-L-E, bits.com. Did I get it right? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Darshan. Anytime. And thank you for listening to the Music Tectonics Podcast. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service, but also come over to musictectonics.com and you'll find out more. Thanks so much for listening. We'll bring you more episodes soon. You're listening to Music Tectonics.